Hi everyone and welcome to another Onalytica video chat. Today we are talking about uh, a topic that's really important to most marketers as part of kind of uh, overall strategy. Um, it's it's your, your kind of organic search, your SEO tactics. Obviously in particular at Onalytica our interest in that is around how influencers can help. So I'm very lucky to be joined by, by three experts in this who are going to help kind of guide the discussion. I have Andy Crestadina, I have Ben Olfrey, and I have Dave Treffy. Um, so to kick off, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get them to tell you in their own words all about themselves. Uh, and then we are going to talk about how influencers kind of fit into that wider SEO picture. Maybe just think about how that landscape is going to evolve, where it's at at the minute. Uh, so Andy, I'm going to ask you to, to kick off for us and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into SEO. Sure. Uh, it was out of necessity. Uh, I'm the co-founder of a digital agency focused on web development, and we started 20 years ago. And in the beginning, we were an outsourced partner to agencies who didn't have development skills, and that, were, that worked well for a time. But we weren't really successful until we were able to create our own demand and generate leads. So starting from the beginning almost, about 20 years ago, I started doing uh, SEO and analytics back when it was spelled with a small a prior to the Google product. And uh, about 12 years ago, started teaching and writing and speaking and doing um, content strategy, blogging, um, social media, email marketing, and what I called at the time collaborative content marketing, which we now call organic influencer marketing. So uh, I'm really excited about the overlap between influencer marketing and search, and uh, glad to be here. Cool. Thanks. Dave, do you want to go next? Yeah, it's interesting to hear what Andy's saying. It's very similar in my case. 20-odd years ago, I was uh, getting involved with digital marketing and setting up a consulting business um, to help marketers with their uh, internet marketing, as we called it back then. And uh, I was using it myself to uh, to encourage people to uh, book marketing training or um, consulting with me. It was back in the day you could put, I remember I put uh, you know, online marketing UK in the footer of the site and you could get to number one in Google just for that, for, yeah. for, for, for training. Um, since then I've uh, worked with uh, a lot of larger businesses and my role now in Smart Insights is educating uh, marketers, whether it's B2B, B2C, regardless of size of organization, how they can use SEO in their business as well. And um, yeah, over the years, I've done a lot of training and courses as well as Smart Insights for uh, in the UK, um, e-consultancy, Charter Institute of Marketing, um, and uh, a, lot, a lot of client uh, projects as well. So yeah, looking forward to uh, sharing the latest techniques today. Okay, and finally, Ben. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm not quite 20 years ago. Uh, my SEO adventure started uh, sort of six or seven years ago. I ran a previous business. And if I'm honest, I sort of accidentally fell into SEO. I was the marketing guy. Uh, we managed to rank a, a few of our pages for a number of keywords. And that's when I sort of understood the power of it. Um, since then, I took a, a couple of jobs in sort of B2B search. Uh, and now I run a B2B search engine marketing company over in Guildford uh, with my business partner. So yeah, again, I think influence marketing is having a a growing influence on the SEO and the process and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to the uh, discussion today. Cool, sounds good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call on you again then, and <laughs> maybe maybe just get into why influencers kind of 
why are they important and, and maybe just talk us through kind of how they fit into the the overall picture why there's a why there's a good fit between it working with influencers some kind of external uh, and, and boosting your um your search power sure so i i think you can see with google's uh you know continuous updates to their algorithm that they're trying to move towards presenting you with uh, trustworthy content uh, authoritative content content that contains a variety of expertise uh, you know they don't want to rank a, a blog that's only been around for a week or two weeks that's going to advise a user on a health condition or uh you know, a, a keyword that might have a financial impact on them. So Google, you can see the development of Google and they themselves are trying to move towards um, presenting content that isn't only correct, but um, is also relevant as well. So uh, I think the tie between the two is going to continue to grow. Um, I think influencers in varying forms of capacity will continue to have an in uh, an influence on SEO. Uh, you know, we're not just talking about the the Instagram guys that have thirty thousand followers, for example. We're talking about the medical professionals or the marketing professionals. You know, and um, I think it's quite obvious that this is the sort of information that Google wants to show. They want to show uh, results from trusted sources. Yeah, no, absolutely. Andy, thoughts? I, I love what Ben just said because adding a, um, a credible source to an article makes that article more credible to an algorithm to a human that's just important for content I totally agree and in the long run you're not chasing an algorithm you're making your content better by doing what he just suggested um, also he pointed out that it's not about Instagram celebrities which I think we all like to remind people influencer marketing is beyond b2c lifestyle Instagram people <laughs> this is not that's not really relevant to most of us uh, so the, uh, um, the kind of a dotted line that connects influencers to rankings is if you are in social media and you're doing more than just dumping links on the internet, if you're using social media to network with people, build relationships with other content creators, include content creators in your content, build that relationship over time, they eventually are likely to include you in their content. So for example, I've done this with Analytica, we'll produce a, a deep piece of content, include bloggers and editors and journalists in that content as contributor quotes, making automatically making them aware of this high value linkable asset, meaning that they're very likely to mention it and link to it from there. So you can't really do uh, link attraction or uh, build your authority without having relationships with bloggers and editors and journalists and columnists and event producers and webinar producers and uh, podcasters, because these are the people who make the internet. They build content, and if they're not aware of you and your work, they're not likely to link to you, and you don't. then you're lacking a strategy for literally half of SEO, which is authority. SEO is two things, relevance and authority. So uh, influencers are critical. I don't know how you could do it without them. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, that, um, yeah, that just the link building element almost makes it sound, you know, the term link building makes it sound like it's not based on, on relationships, like it's less human than it is, but actually it's about, you know, as you say, the people who make the internet building up yeah. content. It's hundred percent um, human. It's about networking. It's about collaboration. It's not about paying a celebrity to tweet something. That's ridiculous. That's a waste of time and money. <laughs> it's about building relationships with editors and journalists. And how do you do that? You give them what you want to get. Include them as a source in your content. A journalist would never write an article without including a source. Why would a content marketer, why do content marketers keep writing articles without including contributor quotes? Never write an article without including a contributor quote. 
from someone who writes for a high domain authority website. Yeah, there's, there's truly no way of knowing why people aren't doing that. So it's weird. Dave, do you agree, disagree? Yeah, sure. I think Andy and Ben have uh, nailed it, really, in terms of explaining the uh, the power of influencer marketing in uh, SEO. Maybe I can illustrate it through looking at what we've done with with Smart Insights. So we, we launched around 10 years ago, and um, at that time, I, I was... I was an influencer, I guess, within digital marketing, but I always love to learn from other marketers. So I go to maybe email marketing conferences or conversion rate uh, optimization conferences. And when we when we built the site initially, a lot of it was through getting those um, influencers, like for example, Tim Watson on email marketing, he would regularly contribute to our blog. So Andy's mentioned about um, the sort of major content uh, asset that using that approach i think you can use uh, the, the approach of getting influencers to generate quite deep content around uh, sharing their experience uh, and, and targeting different types of keywords so for us it would have been perhaps email marketing strategy or measurement that tim would have been writing about and uh, yeah we continue that the, these days with um looking at other aspects like um, we'll, we'll do uh, trends posts so that we, you know we're known as um, thought leaders about the futures of future of digital but we we get um, we've done some reports recently and some posts on social media where the influencers are, are building up the authority rather than just giving our um, take so across all of that smart insights now we have around half a million uniques every month uh, coming through and um, I say about 80% of that is through um, is, is through organic search and the influencers are a, a large part of that. I think I'd influence, I, when we think of influencers, we often think of individuals and Andy was mentioning there, it's very much about relationships with publishers as well. And that's where it gets a bit tricky because sometimes uh, you'll need to pay because you know it's more of a commercial um, arrangements. So I don't think people should underestimate that, uh, that the power of other publishers rather than just individual influencers. And if we've got time, I, you know, we've talked about the power of influencer um, and, and guest posting. I think it's worth flagging up that there is a constant tension with Google about using uh, guest posts. And uh, just recently, Google are sort of cracking down on that, and we're hearing more talk of manual actions and a warning. So it's you know it's it's not a silver bullet. There are challenges you need to to work on to get it right as as well. No, that's that's something I definitely want to come back to because I think it's you know I, I want to think about what the what the future of this is. But I wanted to first go back to something else you kind of mentioned, which I think all of you have touched on on some level is is as Andy put it kind of balancing you've got the authority and that's linking to people who are authoritative do you think the the sort of the relevance element comes from the fact that influencers are typically people who've kind of they've built their following for their blog or their social presence probably off being very up to date with with what's happening like do you think do any of you think that's kind of a factor in what makes them quite ineffective uh, group to partner on another are there any other sort of things you would look for in an influencer that you wanted to wanted to lean on maybe i'll go to ben first yeah i 
I think Google now, they're trying their best to look at a variety of factors. Um, so this could be, for instance, if you're considering working with someone, they've won awards, if uh, they've got a Wikipedia page, if they, you know, if they've got numerous five-star reviews on Google, on Yelp, with the likes. Um, I think they're looking for a variety of different signals that indicate that this person knows what they're talking about in their specific space. And these are the sort of guys that you want to hear from. These are the sort of guys that you want uh, talking or mentioning your brand, for example. Um, but I think you also touched another point about the relevance as well. You know, we need to make sure that they're also talking about conversations that people want to know the answers to, you know. Um, uh, good example might be that if we plugged in something like marketing automation software, we're presented with a whole page of review sites such as G2, Captera, HubSpot, the likes. And this is because the user wants to see reviews, they want to see information, they want to see explanations about different types of software. And those are the go-to kind of authorities within the review space that that have the trusted sources and the trusted opinions. So um, we work with one particular client and uh, sort of within the fashion space and she's won numerous awards all over the world and she's actually starting to try and leverage her authority a bit more by franchising her herself as a brand so she'll actually take on um uh, she's a lash artist so she'll take on other sort of users in that space train them up give them an accreditation and then they will go on and train others so that in itself kind of engineers a sense of authority and that's but that's just by leveraging her own that she's kind of built up over the years Dave, is there anything else you'd you'd look out for beyond you know as as a sign that someone's going to be really valuable to to link to to work with that they've got relevant things? Yeah, I, I, for me, it's uh, it's it's I, I'm really looking for longer term relationships. And many of our influencers who contribute, and I might contribute to their sites, it's it's a long term arrangement. In that case, it's only really worthwhile where they're active in terms of content creation on their own site. So Tim Watson. In email he would have his own um, blog Jordi Reen is another example of an email marketing influencer who I've known for 10 years and because they've built up their own um, authority as Ben was saying it's much more useful in terms of the uh, the type of links and where you can direct them so rather than say just directing people to the home page of your site you can you can feature a particular type of uh, theme or, or keyword you're looking to uh, rank on. Um, so that, that that's what I would say. And we just as a sort of practical rule of thumb for people listening in, the um, we actually use uh, the Moz domain authority. So a specific measure they have, which is between naught and 100, where something like the BBC would be getting on for 100. I think um, Smart Insights has just come up to 80, which we're quite uh, proud of. But if you look at um, a lot of smaller blogs and influencers, they'll be just at the sort of dabbling at the bottom between naught and 10. So if we have a lot of people approaching us in terms of relationship and we'll say if they haven't got a, an authority and if they're not known within our sphere, if it's not above say 30 or 40 in terms of DA, it's probably not our, worth our while. Uh, working with them. So, for example, Ben was mentioning uh, G2Crowd. Um, they they were doing some outreach with us recently, and you know they're, they're well-known, large-scale DA of 80. We, we would uh, bite their hand off if anyone else like that uh, approaches us. So, yeah, that, that's a simple benchmark we would use. I don't know whether Andy have any other suggestions. There's, di there's different tools and, and measures people use. That is exactly the game. I mean, uh, just to be direct about it, uh, what a lot of people think influencer marketing is about is looking at the social following 
and then trying creating content with that person, hoping they'll share, which is called ego bait, and it's popular, and it can lead to a tiny spike in traffic. Exactly. Uh, we have um, uh, a lot of our uh, Google Analytics content is shared by the official Google Analytics Twitter account, which has more than a million followers. Uh, a tweet from that account that links to our content, on average, drives around 150 visits. Yeah, we we've seen that as as yeah. well, but just a spike, like you say, not a not a durable benefit. But a link from a blogger's site that has a domain authority of, I'm just going to use, I'm just going to say higher than whatever yours is. If you know what your <laughs> domain authority, a good benchmark is to just pers just collaborate with people who have higher who are yeah, in, your, in your range. Yeah, so yeah. just use that. It does. I mean, not everyone. I love Smart Insights, and an eighty is a big, big number. The only companies with domain authorities of eighties and eighty and more have active uh, content programs with high frequency that publish research. They're almost they're media brands. Mm -hmm. Normal blogs, you know, maybe forty to sixty, which is great. You know, these are powerful websites. Yeah, uh, sites without a blog, no content program, they're going to be below forty usually. Um, anyway, so yeah, I think that uh, social shares are temporary and SEO links are forever. Of course, not strictly true. But if you're looking for that durable benefit, then don't just look at the size of the social following. In fact, feel free to ignore that. Instead, look at the domain authority, the sites that they write for, if they're an author, blogger, columnist, or look at the domain authority, the site that you're pitching to. Another word for what we're describing is just digital PR. It, this is just PR with one extra consideration, authority. It's networking, it's outreach, it's pitching, it's collaborating, it's understanding that editor, what's their publishing calendar, what do they care about today? What does the content on their site look like? Is it research driven? Is it news? Is it trends? Is it how to? Is it filled with images? Do they use video? What kind of headlines do they write? If you properly research your, your potential partner before pitching a collaboration, uh, it's not at all out of reach for anyone to win links from domain authority websites. You just have to um, uh, do do it with empathy and creativity, which is why we all got in marketing in the first place. Yeah, I'm glad you added that caveat at the end there, Andy, uh, because yeah, it, the content does need to be awesome and you do need to have that creativity. I think there's often a bit of a tick box or me too, oh, let's collaborate and you know, let's share some content. But if you're not creating something that isn't incredibly valuable or interesting or humorous, then the partnership's probably not worth yeah. the the effort yeah. so it, that, that's what i love about content marketing and, mm -hmm. and organic it is the the creativity you can work on yeah so you're oh. doing better work than what, what's gone before you really uh, i'm excited i'll tell a very short story i was at a conference and the moderator of the panels was a new york times editor and everyone afterward wanted to talk to the panelists i wanted to talk to the moderator and i asked him a question about which was popular at the time list posts or stories what do you prefer he explains why he prefers writing stories. He's a New York Times guy, of course. Mm -hmm. I asked him, would you mind if I followed up with you after this and ask you just two or three questions via email? He said, sure, no problem. So I asked, got some questions and some, a little bit of content from this New York Times editor about list, ver, list posts versus stories. I turned around and sent it to copy blogger. And I said, I've got a guest post for you. It's from a New York Times editor, his perspective on list posts versus stories. They paused their publishing calendar to run this, this mini interview and ran it the next day because it was super high value. 
right? Mm. It was the halo mm. effect. It was I had I had a New York Times editor. Yeah, nice, nice, nice example. And I'm sure there was a backlink. Uh, to, got, to I got the byline. Goal. I got the link. <laughs> I got the relationship. And right. I've written. I've written for them since then. But that was how I built mm. that. That's how I first got into Copy Blogger. So yeah, yeah. The, the content has to be a plus, best page on the internet for the topic, or else you're not doing SEO. I think um, I think you touch on a really good point there because we we've got two examples. So we are working with um, two sort of ex direct ex directors of Vogue, and they had started a, a small site, um, but this was a real kind of shortfall in the authority against relevance. Um, so they built up a site of DA, I think around 30, 35, but there was next to no traffic on it. So if you were to look from the outside in, you'd think, well, this is a link farm, right? But this was because of their previous, you know, their influence in the sort of fashion space. They had links from top tier press, the Guardian, BBC, uh, well, not BBC, but the Guardian, Daily Mail, you know, some really, really good publishers in the UK, but they hadn't created anything relevant that was really capturing uh, any of the organic search. And then on the flip side, um, I'm going to name and drop them in here, but you've also got uh, a brand such as Lemsit, which uh, are notoriously known in the UK. Uh, you find them in more or less every sort of boots up and down the country. Uh, they've got a DA of around 10. So despite them sort of being a well-known brand, they haven't actually been able to build any online authority, which is where, you know, if Google was to see a site like that, they might think, you know, can we trust this or can't we trust it? Whereas you and I, or all of us kind of know that this would be a brand that we could trust and in theory would want to, to work with. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's really interesting points from everyone. I know we, we kind of touched back there on on the subject of guest blogging, and I know um, Dave kind of mentioned that earlier, and I wanted to make sure we we come back to it. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in in hearing everyone's feelings on, you know, given, given the direction you guys feel search is going in, like, do you think there are going to have to be changes in approach, or do you think the broad best practice is just going to stay the same and Google's going to get better at, enforcing it so i want to start with you andy do you think keep doing what you're doing or is is there a storm coming i don't know why i would ever stop write, writing content and putting my my best work in front of larger audiences if ask yourself if you're doing something purely for google if so it's probably spam if you're doing something because you're trying to increase the reach of your message then why would you ever stop doing that so this is year 12 for blogging for me. To this day, about a third of my content is, is guest posts. Uh, it's some of the best, most fun and interesting work I've done. I get to work with expert editors who make me a better writer. I get to put my work in front of larger audiences. And yes, it leads to a link, and I'm not unaware of that, but is it? there's nothing spammy about this content whatsoever. By the way, I wrote a guest post for Analytica about influencer marketing and SEO. Did it have a link back to my content? Probably yes. Was that the re the only reason I did it? Absolutely not. But if you're worried that there is some kind of rank hammer that's going to crush you because you wrote a guest post, I've got a tactic for you. When someone asks, or if you if you have the chance to collaborate with someone, uh, try to make it an emailed interview instead. So they ask, they email you questions, you may email back answers. They get the byline, but you actually created the content, and that content may include links back to you which is like a, a cleverly disguised guest post. I don't know how Google could ever differentiate that mention and link to you from any other mention and link to you. It's like, in other words, if you're really worried that the byline is gonna somehow hurt the value of that link or be marked as spam, just you could turn the guest post into a email interview 
and basically get the same outcome without the byline, which is, I guess, what you're worried about if you're worried about guest posting as being some penalized tactic. So what do, what do you think, Dave? Are you are you convinced by that? Well, you were saying, Jack, the, the, is the storm coming? I think the storm's already here, and I think Google's going to war on guest posts. They, I, I can't remember how, how long ago, maybe 10 years ago, Matt Cutts and mm -hmm. Google, they did put out uh, an advisory which basically said stop guest blogging, and it made me mad at the time because, as Andy and Ben are saying, it, it was only – it was just PR, it was publishing. There, there wasn't, uh, you know, Google were trying to stop what was a natural way of communicating in, in publishing and media, really. But on the other hand, I can see that they, you, pe people do always try to scale these up in a, a, spa a spammy way. Um, but, but there's uh, last September, I think it was, Google put out a new advisory from the webmasters on the, uh, the way you know follow links and mm -hmm. gave some new options on that. And just recently, as I said, there's lots of reports of, of manual actions against publishers. And I think, I think Google are right to look at it because um, we probably all see ourselves and many people listening in. You get a, you're bombarded. I, I will block probably between five and 10 people a day who are just asking me for a guest post because they've they've got some influencer marketing software. Um, they've, they've obviously never looked at the site, but it's like, hey, you've got, a great, you've got a great blog on this, but I've got a better blog and you've got to link to this. And um, it, Google must think it's distorting the, um, their assessment of authority and relevance. So I, yeah, I think they're taking steps and you, you've got to be a lot tighter. Well, we've all got to be a lot tighter in future about the type of businesses we, we work with. So are they authority sites having the only, only working with um, publishers who've got the right sort of editorial guidelines like, like we would have? Um, so yeah, it's, it's certainly one to watch, which is why I wanted to raise it. I probably wouldn't have mentioned it a year or so ago, but now I think it's going to be quite a top hot topic in the year ahead. I don't know whether you've seen Ben. Have you seen heard any chatter on on this? I think the thing is, you always hear the chatter. I think when you get the headlines that a couple of people have been given manual actions, it always makes. Um, sort of press in the SEO space in particular. I think from our perspective, it's always a case of future proofing and always, you know, trying to show your credentials, show that you are an authority in this space. And in addition, actually writing for the user. I know it's very, you know, playing by the Google rule book and very bread and butter, but, you know, if you were to look at a piece that was created by uh, one of your experts, you know, is this something that, as Andy touched on, is this something that's been written for Google or is it actually something that adds real genuine uh, value to the user you know and this this could be you know 1500 words worth of uh, copy around a particular subject that does better explain uh, a keyword that's already been written about um, but yeah I, I think it's it's always interesting I think we'll continue to hear horror stories I think Google will get better at it potentially with the use of AI um, I know that while well, they claim to have around 10,000 physical people manually checking sites um, I think because there's so many sites on the web, a lot of people do play in that kind of gap between the algorithm and uh, what you can sort of get away with. I do think that will close, um, but I do in turn think it'll be very difficult for Google to um, pick up on every single site that is that is trying to manipulate in some sort of respect. 
no 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 makes sense it's, it's interesting hearing you guys kind of talking about i guess in many ways similar challenges that we're having in the sort of pure influencer space around people using spammy tactics people doing stuff that isn't um Mm -hmm. It isn't really best practice, but they're kind of, it's working, you know, working with people who just have a high following to drive a bunch of engagement and, and kind of knowing that that will give, it puts a spike on a graph somewhere and that's kind of why they're doing it, but it's it's typically not the, the right graph um, and it's just a spike. It doesn't, it's not driving the long-term benefits. Um, I guess, you you know, over in SEO, you guys have probably been around a bit Um a bit longer and there's there's maybe overall more of a culture of trying to you know build up things like domain authority which are, are long-term metrics and that's definitely the direction we always want to encourage people to go in when they when they work with influencers so i mean really just thanks very much to to everyone on on our panel today really interesting discussion i feel like i've i've learned a lot hopefully the folks at home will as well so thanks very much to dave andy and ben for joining us and Hopefully see you all soon again for another one of our influencer chats. Yeah, thanks for the conversation. Thank Been you. Interesting this is to listen yeah, to you guys. Good.